0: When I was about 22 years old, my parents got us tickets to go see Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Who has seen Trans-Siberian? All right. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. They, they, they took my two favorite things and they mashed it up together, Christmas music and 80s metal. It's a glorious conglomeration. And uh, here is their light show. Now, I love technology and lighting and all this fun stuff. Hey, let's hear it for our guys who put our new set together. So appreciate everybody who helped us out with that. But that's our next set right there. That's where we're headed, Okay. And I don't know if you remember this, but in the old building, and I really missed this, we used to have fog and haze, which was so legit because you never knew who was preaching. You're just looking up at the stage like, I don't know who's up there. And then you heard me tell a ball joke, like, oh, it's Doug, of course, right? But man, you know, I I just love this kind of stuff. So I was so excited to go and be a part of this. And we're on our little journey to get to see the show. And we had to battle some things along the way. We had to battle uh, Saturday traffic around Christmas time. We had to battle traffic into New Jersey, and we had borrowed my uncle's truck that we were going to kind of all cram in and get out there and as we're driving all of a sudden my dad goes oh no and he swerves and we run over something and we kind of hear whatever we hit kind of rolling around underneath the truck like that's not good so we pull over and it had ripped the license plate off and we realized we hit a tire like one of those big semi trucks had blown out a tire we ran over this blown up tire and it also punctured the radiator so we're like leaking oil my brother-in-law and I are running around on like a major highway in New Jersey trying to find a license plate which we eventually found and my dad is like real good with cars and stuff. So he took like some chewing gum and MacGyvered everything. And we got going again down to the show. But, but here's the thing. It was like, now we just kind of like went through this issue. We battled our way through New Jersey to the event. But now we had a choice. Were we going to let what happened ruin our night? Or are we going to choose to still be amazed and still be in awe and still enjoy and still respond to the greatness of the event? And I would say about 30 minutes into the concert, we finally started to sort of let go what we had experienced and really be able to enjoy what we were there for. And so we began to sing along. We began to, you know, stand up and cheer along and just be amazed and in awe of everything despite how we had to battle to get where we wanted to go. And you know what? You and I face the same decision in our lives, don't we? Are we going to allow the battles in our lives to rob us of the things that we should be in awe of, right? And you know what? Every single time we gather in this room, we have the opportunity to do what we just did together, to sing together, to raise our hands to God, to respond to him in passion and worship. But I want to tell you something. The battles in your life are out to steal your worship, The battles in your life are out to rob you of your awe of God. The hard things, the difficult things are out to rob those things from you. And you have a choice and I have a choice. Either we're going to let that battle wear us down and steal our awe and steal our worship, or we're going to say, no, I'm still going to be amazed at who God is anyway. I'm still going to worship God anyway. And so I think, guys, as we talk vision, as we talk about what God has for our church, I would say one of the biggest things that I feel to challenge you in and to challenge me in is how we worship together when we're here in this place. This is something I think God wants us to really, really grow in. And I want to tell you something so encouraging. So this is the third service today, and the two morning services responded to the call this morning. Some of you guys were here, and you know, and you felt, and you saw people here in this place respond to what we're going to talk about tonight. And that's my prayer, is that you'll respond. And some of you guys are saying, well, what is worship? Like, What is that all about? Would you read this with me? Worship is our response to who God is and what he's done. Okay, that's what worship is. Some of us are like, oh man, I thought worship was just this reverent thing you did or this holy moment or it was this thing you concocted or manufactured and you sang when you didn't really feel like singing. I I thought that was worship. No, worship is seeing God, being amazed by who he is and then responding. And it's not just about what we do in this room. It's also what we do about, you know, what we do outside this room. That's worship too. Like when you choose to use your mouth to encourage and bring life to someone, you're worshiping God. When you choose to change the channel or turn off the podcast or the stream or the Netflix because something came on the screen, that you, or the screen that you know would dishonor God, that's called worship, right? And so, man, outside these walls, worship's a huge deal. But you know what? What God's really burdened my heart with is to talk with you about the worship we get to enjoy inside these walls together. And I'm here to tell you today that, man, sometimes the battles try to steal our worship. And you know what? I think this really kind of has three phases to it, okay? Some of us are right before the battle. We're right over here and the battle is like looming. We're not in it yet but here we are and maybe we sense relationship weirdness coming and we're like, oh man, I don't want to go through that. I don't want to have to battle through that issue. Maybe some of us are like, oh man, I just got the report and chemo will be starting or my loved one will be starting chemo. Maybe some of us are like, man, I'm not in financial complete strain yet, but man, things are getting tight, and we're kind of in this pre-battle mode. Some of us are like, man, around this time of the year, January through like March, I just get so, like I'm like in a funk. I get sad. I get a little bit depressed, and we're kind of here, and we're just wondering like what's going to happen, and this is where we kind of start to become a slave to the what ifs and the worries and the concerns, and right here, some of you right now have to decide to still worship while you're right here before the battle even starts. Now, some of us were right in the middle of the battle and chemo has started for us or that loved one or that relationship has begun to fall apart or we are full blown depressed. And I just want to like just pause the whole night right here because God's been putting something in my heart just to encourage some of you guys. If you are depressed, there is hope. If you are depressed, if you are cutting yourself, just know the love of God for you. Know how much his heart beats for you. That you have value. Maybe a person broke your heart. Maybe a rejection broke your heart. But man, God loves you so much. If you're thinking about taking your life, please think again and look to Jesus and let him give you hope. But some of us are right here in this depression, sadness, brokenness battle. And some of us, this is weird, we're like post-battle the battle has already happened, but we're still struggling to worship God. The, the, the battle we went through back there is still impacting us here. And it's so weird because we thought, you know what, once I get out of that, once the chemo's over, once the financial strain's over, once the temptation is over, and I'm here and I'm post-battle, I should be good, right? But you know what's so funny is we find ourselves in this spot going, but, but why'd I have to go through the battle at all? God, why? Well, I'm glad it's gone, but, but why am I still hurting so much? Why am I still in so much pain? And so why am I, why am I ever even finding myself here, God? So, so we should be like, God, you're so good. You got me through it. Thank you so much but we're really, really struggling. Let me say something very specifically to the people at this service with a lot of younger people here in the room. You know what? Some of us, we are like in one of these phases and it all is about temptation in our life right now. The battle of our life is temptation. And some of you guys had an amazing break from some friends over the college break or over your high school break. Some of you guys went to Tuscarora and you're on our winter retreat and you felt so close to Jesus, but now you're back in the middle of all the temptation and that friend group again. And I just want to encourage you that no matter what struggle you have found yourself in right here, man, you have a choice. You will let that battle pre-present or post-battle steal your worship or you won't. And that's a choice you and I make. And tonight, I want to inspire you to not let it steal your worship. I want to inspire you and help you see why worship is so important. Why singing to God, why raising your hands, why not caring what people think around you is so important. And I love about God is he doesn't just tell us what to do, he tells us why it's so important. And today you're going to leave here knowing why this matters. If you're just like coming in here going, man, I guess we sing because they have a great band. I guess we sing because, you know, there's some nice words on the screen. No, that is not it at all. And so why do we worship? And what's it all about? And how do we still worship pre-present and post-battle? Now some of you guys here, you're like, I'm not in any of those battles, Doug. But you have a different kind of battle going on. Your battle is you just are struggling, if I'm going to be honest, with either pride or insecurity. You're afraid to sing out because of what the people around you think. You're afraid to raise up your hands because you're like, I don't know what this means. And it feels a little bit weird. and I don't want to look like this person or that person. And can I just encourage you, can I like let some of the tension out of the room when it comes to that? I'm the king of awkward when it comes to worship, okay? And I always sit here in the front row and I sing really loud. And I know it and I don't even care. You can all make fun of me if you want, but I'm going to sing really, really loud. But here's the problem. I always mess up the lyrics. I always mess up the words. In fact, as I was writing this message, my wife's always sitting next to me in the first two uh, services. So I said, "Hun, like as I'm singing throughout the day, how many times would you guess... I mess up the lyrics. Now, they're on a screen right in front of me, so I can just look, but no, no, no. I keep my eyes closed. And I'm just going for it, right? And I was expecting her to say, oh, maybe 10 or 20% of the time. She's like, most of the time, Doug. You mess it up most of the time. In fact, as I was writing this message, there was a little part I was going to kind of make fun of myself and I was gonna, I like wrote out some lyrics to a song, then I was gonna make fun of how I get the next line wrong. And as I'm writing this message, I'm like, you know what? It's about worship. Let me email it to our worship pastor so he can read through it, kind of tell me what he thinks about it, give me some feedback. And as he's reading through it, he starts laughing. I'm like, oh, he liked one of my jokes. That's awesome, you know? No, no, no it wasn't a joke. He's like, Doug, you know the part of the message where you wrote the right lyrics? They were wrong, bro. Like, even the right lyrics that you wrote, were wrong. So I'm the king of awkward. I'm also the king of awkward because I'm the guy in the front row who tries to keep the song going. I misread where the band is heading. And so they're bringing the song down. He washed it right as snow. And they're ending. And I'm like, he washed it, you know. And I keep it going, man. You guys are eating lunch at Branchnelli's at 1.30. I'm still in the front row. He washed it, you know. I'm just, I have issues, you know. And so I'm the king of awkward. So if your issue is I care what people think and I look stupid and I look dumb and I don't want to, but we just got to get past that. And I hope to help you get past that, not just tell you to get past it. And so tonight, I don't know where you are, but I hope you'll see a ton of reasons why worship is so important and how to do it and why we do it and how important it is that we do this together. See, it's one thing and we should worship God outside these walls. It's one thing to do that. But there is something so unique, and you can look at this all throughout the Bible. Old school, Old Testament, New Testament, you can look at this all throughout the Bible. When people gather, when God's kids gather and worship, something special happens. And that's why this matters so much. And that's why we can't let the battles steal our worship or our pride steal our worship. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here. And I hope tonight to help you understand what worship's about. And I hope you'll understand, actually, something huge God's done for you. Because maybe you're here saying, Doug, you're talking about all these battles we go through. You know what, Doug? I've been through a lot of battles in my life, and I've never felt God help me in one of them. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about the most amazing battle God ever won for you. And so let's start talking about worship. Before the battle, some of us are right there. and, And that's right where we walked in tonight. And we just, if we're honest, we did not worship during that first song. We just didn't worship because we are just so anxious and fearful and unsure. We're in so much pain. And I just want us to take a a quick snapshot of a really powerful story in the scripture where someone who was right before the battle chose the right way. And you know what? A few months ago, Andrew spoke here, and he talked about this passage. And, and I had written this message a while ago, and I just kind of had it on the shelf. I was waiting for the right time to talk about it. And, and we wrote this message the same week, and we used the same story. And I was like, oh man, I guess i got to rewrite the message. But, but then I started to about it, or oh, maybe God just really wants us to pay attention to this. So before we get to David, we're really going to look at David mostly tonight. I want to talk with you first about his great-great-great-grandson. And his name is Jehoshaphat. And I want you to read with me in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1, it says this, The Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Meunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And so here, Jehoshaphat is the king of Israel, and he is in pre-battle mode. And while he's in pre-battle mode, somebody comes and tells him, Yo, listen to me, this army is huge. Like, these are not some local gathering of people with some sticks and some rocks. Like, this army is coming to decimate Israel. And so this is a serious pre-battle situation. What will Jehoshaphat do? Will he let the anxiety, the uncertainty? The scriptures tells us that he was actually alarmed that this army was coming. So he calls the people together to fast and pray. And when they had all gathered, look at what he says. Look at what his initial response is. Pre-battle mode, verse 6, The Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. What does Jehoshaphat do? What does he do? He praises. He worships. He goes right to who God is and how amazing God is. And I'm telling you, if you are right here in pre-battle mode, that is what you and I should be doing. 100% 100% of the time. I wish I could say it's what I do 100% of the time. Sometimes I give in to the fear. Sometimes I give in to the stress and the anxiety. Sometimes I give in to the unknowns. But I'll tell you, there is a marked difference in my life when I choose right here to worship instead of give in to those different types of things. I love that Jehoshaphat worships. You know why? Because right here it says something. It says something really powerful and really important. Would you read this with me? When we worship God, it shows we truly love Him and not just the idea that He can protect us from the battle. Some of us in pre-battle mode are like, man, God, if you come through, man, I'm going to be so happy, I'm going to be so grateful, and if you come through, I will praise you the rest of my life you ever make those little deals with God. But no, Jehoshaphat goes, hey, hey, before we know the outcome of this battle, while, while it's really stressful and while I'm really anxious, I'm just telling you, God, you, 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 are, you are the God who is in heaven. And you are the one who is my everything. And I love that as you and I are ready and waiting for what's next, we get to make that same declaration if we want to. I grew up a really happy kid, like really happy. Like my goal in life, if I could write down like a one sentence mission for my life, it was laugh as much as possible. Like that was my goal. Laugh as much as possible, make people laugh as much as possible. That's all I wanted to do. But then when I was about early 20s, I began to get really, really sad. Like really sad. And it wasn't full on depression, but I was really sad. And so I was kind of in that pre-battle mode. And I just remember that times of worship were everything to me. Like I was going to a Christian college and I was a part of my church and there were times when I'd be at youth group, I'd be at church, I'd be in my, my dorm with a few guys and we'd grab an acoustic guitar and we would just worship God. And I still had the same uncertainties, the same fears, the same anxieties, but when I was worshiping, it was just like it melted away. I was just like, I, I didn't, it didn't haunt me as I just dropped all of those things down and abandoned that and began to worship God. And you have the same opportunity You have the same choice to make that Jehoshaphat made. And I think that Jehoshaphat's heart really is saying this. Whether the battle goes the way we want it to or not, we have God. Like whether the battle works my way or goes the other way, I have God at the end of the day. And so I can worship him right here and right now. Is this where anybody is in the room today? Yesterday, I literally stared myself in the mirror. And I said to myself, Doug, I like literally out loud. You have think I'm crazy. Doug, why are you focusing on all of the bad things in your life? Like I said that out loud to myself in my bathroom. Like why are you not looking at all the good, at all the amazing, beautiful things you have to praise God for? And sometimes when we're in pre-battle mode, it tries to steal our worship. So then the Lord spoke to one of Jehoshaphat's men and he shared it. And this is what he said in verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Guys, if I could just pause. Do not be afraid because of this vast chemo. Do not be afraid because of this vast financial situation. Do not be afraid because of this horrible relationship going on in your life right now. Do not be afraid because of this vast army of people that surround you and try to pull you down all these roads you shouldn't be going down. Why? Well, why shouldn't I be afraid? Why am I okay to not hang, you know, have to worry about all that? For the battle is not yours, but God's. And it says, tomorrow, march down against them. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. So they go down and they get set up. And verse 21 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Guys, this is unbelievable. This is them in pre-battle mode and it's not just that they're praising God before the battle takes place in time. They are literally praising God before the bad guys. Like they're right there and they are praising God. His love endures forever forever. Verse 22, as they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. And then after that, another nation came and defeated another nation. And next thing you know, war over Israel never did anything but worship. Never did anything but praise. Guys, you know what it tells me? Worship is powerful. Worship is powerful. And I don't want you to think or misunderstand that because the people worship, that's what defeated the army. No, God defeated the army. This was God's plan all along. But the worship certainly paved the way. No? And I just wonder if sometimes we use the wrong weapon in our life. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we're like, okay... I've got this horrific situation right now. I'm going to just I'm going to come at this with worry. That's going to be my weapon of choice. How does that work for us? You know what? This person's really been terrible to me. I'm going to come at them with intimidation. I'm going to come at them with my fist or with my mouth, and I'm going to let them know, what if we brought our worship as our weapon? I'll tell you what, if Israel had gotten out there with their strongest guys up front, with their biggest weapons up front, probably battle lost. But because they went out there, and they trusted God, and they worshiped, They saw God do the impossible. You might say, Doug, that's great, but I'm not in pre-battle mode. I am right here in the middle of it. I am in the middle of the chemo. I am in the middle of the financial strain. I am in the middle of the severe depression. And Doug, I have been cutting myself. Or Doug, I am ready to take my life. What about me? Well, same thing applies. In fact, we're going to catch up now with David, Joseph great, great, great grandfather. And yet, as we read these verses, here's what's going on. He's either running from Saul, who was his father-in-law, or he's running from Absalom, who was his son. And his father-in-law, Saul, wanted him dead so he'd never become king, and Absalom wanted him dead because he was the king and wanted to steal the kingdom. And so he's on the run. And he's in great danger. And look what it says in Psalm 63 verse 1. He says, you God are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Like this is where David is. He is not singing that at a Hillsong conference or an Elevation Church, right? He's not singing that on a Sunday night next to his friends, He's by himself being hunted literally in a desert. When it says, I'm in a dry and parched land, the heading before this psalm says this, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. What is David going to do? Verse two says this, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. And so he praises God for the things that God has done in the past. Guys, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, God has done things in your past and you better draw from that. You gotta draw from those things that God has done. You gotta remind yourself. I love that David just goes, hey man, God, I've seen you in the sanctuary, right? God is not reminded by this. God knows what he did in the sanctuary. God knows what he did and how he came through. But God, here's the truth. Guys, here's the truth. When we worship God, we remind ourselves of all the battles he's won in the past. And so where are you? Is that anybody here today? Are you right in the middle of that battle? Is that what's going on in your life? Because man, I'm telling you, you have a choice. Are you going to let the battle rob your worship or are you going to choose like David? Did? Verse 3, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Guys, anybody in the room ever been reading the Psalms and get a little bit annoyed? You're, you're kind of like, how is David's heart so soft? Like, how can he still worship? How can he still raise his hands to God in the middle of this? Have you ever stopped and thought that, that maybe... When we think to ourselves, you know what? I will worship God when my heart becomes soft. Maybe it's not that at all. Maybe it's we should worship God so that our heart becomes soft. Maybe it's so that right here and right now we go, God, I don't get this right now. I don't understand this right now. This pain is so great. But God, I will worship right in the midst of the battle. So when I was about 22, 23, I became the youth pastor here at the church. And I just full-on depression. Like, full-on depression. Not like here in pre-battle anymore. No, no, no. I'm right in the middle of the battle like David in the desert. And I remember we were at this youth rally, and there was this really gifted speaker up on the stage, and he's just going for it. And, and he says, I want all the youth pastors to come down here. I want you to pray for the kids. And I go down, and Joey was there, and him and a couple of his friends, little seventh, eighth grade kids come down, and they're down around the front. And, and I'm going up there, and I, I'm literally walking up the aisle. I'm like, I'm like, God, how am I going to pray for Joey and his friends? Like, like I'm a mess. Like, I'm so full on depressed. I don't know how, how can I minister to anybody else right now. And I just remember going up and the band gets up and they're playing and there's worship happening. And I got tears streaming down my face. And suddenly I began to feel them put their hands on me. Them put their arms on me and began to pray for me. And in the middle of that worship moment, I just remember standing there with tears flowing down my face as I was worshiping God. And I'm telling you guys, you have the same opportunity in your life, in those moments when you feel like everything's falling apart, that same opportunity to continue to worship God in the midst of all of it. What about after the battle? Right before this psalm, it says this, For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Look what it says, Psalm 18.1. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. Can we just pause there? Some of us in post-battle mode, we just got to tell God we love him. Like when's the last time you just said, God, I love you? I would guess if I polled everybody in the room, about half of us haven't said that in a while because we've been through so much difficulty. But what if we just paused and we said, God, I have been just holding these few words back. I, I love you, God. And you are my strength. And you are my rock. And David goes on. He says, in which I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and save me from my enemies. I just love, he holds nothing back. When is the last time, church, come on, when is the last time you held nothing back? When is the last time you came into a service like this and you just said, I'm going to leave it all out on the field today, so to speak. Any ounce of worship I can find within my heart today, I'm going to let it out. You know what David does here? This is so beautiful. After this next verse, he just erupts in praise. But before we get to that, I want you to see how severe David's battle was. Look at this. He says this, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. Can I just ask you to do something for a second? I want you to think about that situation in your life. What is that battle for you right now? Are you pre, present, or post battle? What is it? I want you to think about literally, like it says here in this verse, the cords of the grave coiled around that area of your life. For some of you, those, those things are corded around your relationship. Some of you, they're they're corded around, coiled around your financial situation, and and you just feel like you're drowning in it all. But David goes on a 44-verse rant after that of how great God is. We're not going to read much of it, but verse 6 says, In my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to God for my help. I just want to tell you tonight, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is where you start This is where in the midst of it all you say, God, I'm so desperate for you and I need you so much. Verse 16, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. Guys, I would guess a lot of us have something in common today. There's something too strong for us in our life. There's something too big for us in our life. There's something that we can't handle ourselves, just like David says here. My foes were too strong for me. What's too strong for you? Because that's the thing, man, that God wants to come in and be your support in and be your deliverer and reach down, like David said, and help you in the time of your great need. But I love that David, post-battle, doesn't allow the hardship to steal his worship. His heart is soft before God. His heart is open to worshiping God in the midst of some of the most difficult times of his life. And I want to encourage you, we need to come in here every Sunday and worship God. Can I tell you something about David? We know this from other Psalms. His heart's cry when he was in the middle of wildernesses and deserts like this was to be with God's people in the church to get together in the sanctuary and worship. That was literally the cry of his heart. He wasn't like going, God, if you could just deliver me so I could have a comfortable life again, I would get back to the palace and I could put my feet up. You know what his cry was over and over again? I want to be in God's house with God's people. That's because something powerful happens when we're here together and when we sing the praise of God together and we worship God together. And so where are you? I bet you're somewhere in there. I bet you find yourself in one of these three spots or maybe that other spot. Your battle is a battle of pride. Your battle is is a battle of insecurity. I can't sing, I don't want to look dumb. Can I just encourage you for a second? Some of you guys remember a few years ago I had this really cool encounter I share with you. So the day after the Mets lost the World Series, right, I met well, I'll, let me put it this way. I walk into a, a deli, and I see someone who looked like Steven Matz, the, the pitcher for the, for the Mets, and I'm like, no way. And, and I took like a, a creeper shot of him like down low, and I texted it to my wife. I'm like, Google Stephen Matz and figure out. I, I mean, texts don't really talk like that, so I don't know why I was like that. But <laughs> <laughs> very strange. Siri like transformed in the moment. But. And, 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 and then he, like before I could hear back from her, we locked eyes. And I was like, are you Steven Matz? And he's like, yeah. I was like, whoa. Like I just, uh. and and then I like just became like the most idiotic person in the whole world and like just spewed things, you know. And the first thing I said to him, I was like, great series. He's like, not really. I was like, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Right, right. And then I said to him, "Um, can I take a picture of you? Of you. Of you. He's like, can you be in it with me? I was like, yeah, that would be great. And so we got this picture here. Isn't that awesome right and I had I looked like filth I had I had just I was literally all, jumping off my roof I was running the deli to get my dad and I some food we were putting a roof back on my shed and I'm like a mess there but but for the next like five minutes like I just was an idiot like, like I'm like Steven man I just got to tell you man like I saw your, your first game when you debuted it was amazing you hit two doubles and a single and no pitchers hit two doubles and a single then you struck out like nine guys I remember they kept showing your family in the stands and your grandpa was jumping up and down like this and he's like stop talking about my grandpa he's getting creepy you know and then the cook in the back realized who it was and came out and I was like, no, 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 he's mine right now. Like, you get back there. But you know what, guys? I didn't care for a half second what anyone in that deli thought of me. I saw greatness and I responded to it. And you know what? You and I, we have seen greatness. Love Stephen Matz. We have seen a greatness beyond imagination. What our God has done for us. And we have a choice. Will we respond to that greatness in this place or will we let some person in the seat next to us rob that from us? You see, here's what I like to think. I like to think the truth is God is watching us. You care about the person next to you watching you? God is watching us. In fact, sometimes, and I don't say this to manipula- manipulate you, I say to try to put things in perspective. I sometimes even picture, like what if Jesus was standing on the stage watching us worship? What would I want him to see? Would I want him to see me just sort of like bored or, or, or reserved because there's people around? Would I want him to see me a little bit embarrassed? Or or would I want him to see me worshiping with all of my heart, raising my hands up to him like a little child my kids have always raised their hands up to me, not so much anymore, but when they were little, and sometimes it was because they would flip off the ottoman and crack their head, and I'd pick them up and hold them, and sometimes it was just that beautiful moment. And some of you guys, man, you're, you're not parents yet, but you will be parents. Joey, you got this, man. When your little ones, just raise their arms for no reason, just I want to be close, right? And some of you flipped off the ottoman and cracked your head this week. And you need to raise your hands to your father so he can hold you. But some of you just need to come in and say, just because, dad. Just because. Just because you're that good. I want to be as close to you as I can. And sometimes I just put my hands like this. And for me, it just means, God, I surrender who I am. I surrender all that I am. You have your way with me. You do what you want with me. But I'm not going to let a person steal that from me. And we have a choice. In fact, My kids are involved over at Smithtown Christian School, and they'll they'll play in the chapel sometimes. And my son, Landon, played the acoustic bass in the chapel recently. I don't know if you know anything about acoustic basses, but you can't hear them. (laughs) But there we were, and he's plucking away at the acoustic bass, and he's playing his heart out. And i got to be honest with you. There's another dad in the room. And this dad I went to school with. And this dad always overshadowed me in everything. He was a better athlete. He was funnier than me. The girls loved this guy. I just felt like, nah, at this guy, right? And he's sitting like Isle across because his kid's up there too, not playing the acoustic bass. <laughs> and as I'm looking at this guy, I'm just thinking, man, I just, this is me. Like, now, <laughs> I just want to be cool in front of this guy, you know? I'm in an elementary chapel, you know? Like, I'm going to worship God right now, you know? I'm I'm here to see my son, you know? I'm going to let that guy steal from me an opportunity to worship God because I care what he thinks from 25 years ago. Man, isn't it funny how easily we can miss out I don't know about you, I don't want to miss out and I don't want our church to miss out because like I keep saying, there is something special that happens when the people of God gather and we worship Him together. And so my bottom line for you guys today is very simple. It's this, worship God before, during, and after the battle Make that choice. What I love about when Andrew spoke on the passage about Jehoshaphat earlier last year, he kept using this word choice. You have a choice to make. It is something you have control over. So when we come into this place together, we can't say, I just couldn't worship God today. No, you could. Well, you choose to. And some of us make this deal with God, like God, if I worship, oh man, you're, you're gonna owe me. Because for me to worship right here, right now, oh wow, I, I'm, I'm making a big sacrifice right now, God. Can I tell you something? You will be so blessed when you worship God. You will be so blessed. You, you think you're doing him a favor? Oh no. He's worthy of all praise, but he doesn't need it. And he so longs for closeness with you in the midst of these moments in the battle. Don't let the battle steal. Your worship. What if my battle doesn't go the way I want it to go, though? Like Jehoshaphat's story, great, right? Doesn't even have to lift a finger. David's story, great. He's rescued and saved. Of course, they worshiped. What, what happens if the battle doesn't go my way? Well, can I just tell you something today? If you have had the worst life ever, and you've lost every battle, every person you ever asked out said no, every job application you ever filled out, you got denied, your parents, you've had a horrible relationship with them, you have like zero finances, life is just awful, can I tell you that there is one battle that has been won for you? It's when your Savior got on a cross and died in your place to rescue you from your sin, and if that's the only battle that was ever won for you and I, we would still have all the reason in the world to worship, wouldn't we? And so maybe you got to stare yourself in the mirror like I did yesterday. I said, why, why, Doug? Why are you focusing on all the bad? Why won't you focus on all that God has done for you? And so if I could encourage you today with a few practical things, would you just come every Sunday ready to worship? See, the reason we did this service like we did tonight, the reason we flipped it on its head is because so often we'll get up here and we'll say, guys, let's be a church that worships and let's make sure we go for it. And then we get like, you know, one song and a few people kind of half respond. And so we say, you know, what if this time we do one song and then we just allow actual worship to take place? ongoing, like just allowing people to truly respond. And it's been so cool throughout the whole day. Here's what's happened. The first song after the message, a few people, you know, raising up their hands and starting to sing. And the second, my son was sitting in the back. I can't see it because I'm up here. My son, my son says, oh, dad, it was so cool because by the second song, it was like, you know, a couple hands over there and a couple more hands over there and people worshiping over there. But dad, by the last song, it was like a sea of hands up, just worshiping God. Wow, see, I got to tell you something. I'm not telling you today, stop being held back. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm saying step up, right? There's a difference. Don't just not be held back anymore from worship. No, no, no. Step up and set the atmosphere of this place. Help us. See, here's what's going to happen. When it goes from being 11 of us raising our hands to 100 of us raising our hands, there's a new atmosphere in this room. Hey, you know what? It's not about show. It's not about you. Why Why we like it dark in here. It's why we like it real loud. It's not about you. It's not about drawing attention to yourself. It's about God seeing our hearts and our thanksgiving and our praise. And I'm telling you, it's so incredibly powerful. So come ready to worship. Well, Doug, why should I worship? Well, can we review real quick? Would you read this with me? When we worship God, it shows we truly love Him and not just the idea He can protect us from the battle. Whether the battle goes the way we want it to or not, we have God worship is powerful. When we worship God, we remind ourselves of all the battles he's won in the past. And when we worship God, our hearts remain soft in the midst of the battle. Those are some amazing reasons to to worship God. And if I could just encourage you with this little piece here, I would encourage you, and this is coming from a late person, man, if you and I, if we could be on time, that would be epic. (laughs) That would be so awesome if we could be on time. In fact, our staff has been praying that there'd be a line outside the door at like 6.30. Like, can we go in yet? Can we go in yet? Is the band done practicing yet? Yeah, okay, because we want to get in there and get in our seat. We want to talk with some people, but we just want our hearts to be ready for God. We want to just get into that place, like David said, and be ready in the sanctuary to worship. And as soon as that countdown hits zero, we want to be ready to worship Jesus. And so I would just encourage you. I got to tell you what, um, I don't think I've ever, ever in my life been late to a movie. I'm a late person, but I've never been late. Man, my family's the one, you all come in a half hour early and we're sitting there watching all the local ads and all that cheesy stuff on the screen. That's us, right? Because I value it. I want to be there. I've hardly ever, ever, ever been late to a baseball game. We're there for like batting practice. We've all had three Shake Shack burgers by the time they sing the national anthem. My daughter like wants to go home before the game even starts, you know? Dad, we've been here three hours. I know, isn't it great? But some reason there's, there's got to be something off you know and I get it guys sometimes we'll be late okay it's, it's okay I'm late sometimes too right but but with this consistent thing if that's what we find ourselves there's got to be something off about what kind of value we put on our worship here together in this place and so we just make the effort I find I am consistently late the same amount of time and so maybe you can look and go oh man I'm like 15 minutes late. It means I basically missed the entire worship time. I'm just going to back up my schedule 15 minutes on Sunday and be here. Because it's that important what we do together here. Somebody special here with us tonight, someone we've been praying for, for about a year now, going through a lot, uh, Caitlin Ventura. You've heard Joey and the other people that do the prayer praying for Caitlin. And Caitlin's been through all kinds of craziness in the last year. She's been on a feeding tube. She's, she's been through countless surgeries. She has uh, spent Christmas in the hospital. She, I mean, in and out of the hospital. You guys know, some of you went to visit her. Some of you have helped us get gift cards to her. But she's been through so much. And Caitlin's here tonight. We praise God for that. But this morning, without knowing what I was talking about, Caitlin wrote this little blurb on Facebook about worship. And I asked her if I could share it with you tonight. Here's what she wrote. I love worship. I love feeling so close and connected to God. And worship is honestly probably the best way to feel that connection. Listen to this. A year ago today, I didn't understand worship or why I needed to worship. Now, I'll literally look for any excuse just to praise the Lord. Why wouldn't anyone be grateful for life, for God's grace and his mercy and his endless love? Wow, I'm truly blessed. Can I tell you something? this just proves that you have a choice. Because Caitlin wrote that a year ago she didn't understand worship. Isn't it interesting that in the most difficult uh, year of her life, that's when she got it. That's when she began to understand how beautiful, how powerful a thing it is, how wonderful a connection it is to Jesus. It proves that it's a choice because this has been the hardest year of her life and yet this is the year She's experienced the most beautiful, authentic, real worship with her Savior. And so, you know what? Caitlin's been pre-present and post-battle. And she's chosen to worship her way through it. And you can, too. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you're encouraged tonight because you heard me talk about the battle Jesus won for you. The fact that he died on the cross and rose back from the dead to save and rescue you. And if you want to begin a relationship with him today, then I would encourage you to pray with me in just a minute. But, man, don't let the battle steal your worship. And don't let the person sitting next to you or behind you steal your worship. God is so good. God is so big. And if this vision for our church is going to get any traction, then let's jump in. Tonight, let's leave it all out on the field. Let's worship our God for who he is. And as we go through life, let's worship him before, during, and after the battle. Let's pray. God, we love you. God, you're good. God, we just worship right now, saying you are faithful, you are awesome, you are big, you are holy, you are true, you are right, you are pure, you are powerful, you are amazing, you are awesome, there's no one like you, there never has been, there never will be one like you. You've created all things, you know all things, you sustain all things by the power of your word. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You have saved us. You have rescued us. You've adopted us. You've regenerated our hearts. You've brought a holiness into our lives. We can never attain ourselves. Oh, God, you are everything to us. God, we give you praise tonight. And God, I pray that you will unleash a spirit of worship in our church, and we will never go back, God not to draw attention to ourselves, not to get all crazy and out of control, but, God, that we would just genuinely be able to behold greatness and respond to it. So, Lord, help us, God. And let this worship be contagious as people who come and don't even know you, that they would see you're real by the way that we worship. And so, God, help us. If you are a follower of Jesus tonight, can you just pray for a minute? Can you just ask God to help you if you are pre-battle, pre- present battle or post-battle, if you are wrestling maybe with your pride or your insecurity, would you just pray about that? God wants to free you from that. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I would love for you to put your trust in him tonight. would be the most exciting thing in the whole world. And so if that's you, would you just pray with me right now? If you want to put your trust in him, just silently say something like this, Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you so much for winning this battle for me for rescuing me, for forgiving me, for loving me, for wanting me. Jesus, show me what it means to follow you, and I thank you for this gift of salvation. And before we open our eyes tonight, is there anybody that prayed that prayer for the first time? Would you just look me in the eye right now? I'd love to be praying for you this week. I'm not going to make you get up and say anything or do anything, but if there's anyone who prayed that for the very first time tonight, awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Anybody else? God, we thank you for those that you're, you're doing a new thing in their life. God, bring them so close to you. All right, church, let's stand up together. Let's worship God for all that he is, and for all that he's done.